0: There's a, a fellow called David Basso who has had a big impact for Margot and I. He set up an organisational opportunity international. 35, he'd made a bun- He grew up as an orphan. 35, had made a bunch of money uh, in construction, and uh, and he was a Christian man. And he just went, well, he had developed this idea of the economics of enough. He said, I've got enough. Now I should do something with what I've got. And give back. So he put his money in a trust and has spent the last 50 years pioneering uh, microfinance for the poor and then just networking with people around the world, helping wealthy people connect with poor people in all kinds of ways. And in his 80s now, he's still got all these ministries running up in Asia and he travels up there all the time. He set up a bank in North Korea. Um, He now runs a little organization up there where they're doing all the English curriculum. They're writing the English curriculum to teach English in all the schools in North Korea. And he's just spent his life doing that. And it's most I think what strikes me with David is his generosity is not just financial, though it is that, but it's everything. Like he tr- his, his time, his energy, his connections, his networks. And the other thing that strikes me is that his generosity has, has substantially affected his standard of living. Like, he could have lived a much more comfortable, affluent life, for sure, even if he just sold out at 35. And he's actually been so generous that he's lived way below how he could have lived because of his generosity, which is quite extraordinary. There are some people, others I know, who give away a very, very large amount of money. So there's a, you know, I've had the privilege of crossing paths with over the years. I have, in a couple of examples, I have not seen that it's affected their standard of living at all. So they've given out of their abundance. Uh, What's always struck me with David, he gave out of his abundance, but then he gave sacrificially so it actually really cost him and his family, which is interesting. So lots of tension. So there we go. That's just the question. So, and you ask why this discussion, and if you're visiting, you're in the, you found us in the middle of a prolonged discussion around becoming a people of generosity, where our hearts are generous uh, towards God, towards each other. And um, so it, this is not just about raising money for the church at all. It's about uh, shaping our hearts to be more like the hearts of Jesus. And so you're, you found us in that. And if you weren't here last week, um, which is fine, you can go online and listen to last week's talk if you'd like. Um, and I wanted to start by framing this, just a brief recap. This is our mission Uh, And some people last week said, ah, you know, we should wordsmith this a better. It's not very inspiring. And I'm like, yep, no, it's not. But it's just really very simple. Connect people with God, help them live a great life. It's just, that's it. Uh, And everything else we do, and we could come up with other ways of putting it, but I thought that's just simple. And that's what the journey that we're all on. We all want to connect more deeply with God, don't we? And we all want to learn to live great lives, don't we? And we want those around us to have that same experience, don't we? Now, of course, there's a lifetime of unpacking what those two things mean and look like, for sure. Um, I made the point last week that um, people connect with God on the arm of a friend. Um, That's how, like Christianity, life is all about relationships. So we come to Jesus on the arm of a friend. We actually come to deep life change on the arm of a friend. Like, that's what happens, right? So the, the people who help us grow the most are people who are closest to us, who care for us and lead us forward. I did a little thing last week looking at uh, at how a church works. And uh, and if you recall this, um, I thought the the idea is that the church is a system. And in this system, you you take, you have things that come into the system and things that go out of the system. I made the point that in a, in a restaurant, for example, the, the key input in a in the restaurant is hungry customers, and then you transform those hungry customers by providing them with food and serviettes and cutlery and a bill and all kinds of stuff, and you export them as satisfied customers who go into the marketplace and tell others about your product, and then they come back in, and that's the virtuous cycle, right? And then we had a conversation about what church would look like. And I said, well, who are the people who come into our church? Well, we, you can think of us as the same system. And and we, we bring into the church lost, hungry, thirsty, broken people without God and without hope in the world. And then God does something through them. And they become on the other side as a result of being part of our community. They become followers of Jesus, increasingly Christ-like, light and salt in the world, healed agents of healing, comforting others with the comfort we ourselves have received. Right? You can think of this as uh, coming in and going out, the same process, and there's a fundamental transformation that happens from the inside out in every church. This is what it's about. It's very simple. Everything else we do... Small groups, music, Sunday services, infrastructure, money, uh, leadership, coffee. (laughs) Whatever we do needs to serve that fundamental change that God is making in our lives. Um, The other thing that I pointed out last week is that God is at work to energize the process and uh, us and the people at every point. So God is at work. Uh, when we had a discussion about this in our small group on Thursday night, we also asked the question, and maybe you can look at this diagram and think to yourself, um, where do you place yourself in that diagram? If you're if you're I mean it really it applies to her, where do you put yourself? Um, you know, are, are you are you here? Still someone who's very definitely aware that you're disconnected from God and you've got a whole lot of questions and struggles. Are you here in the church on the journey? Are you here? Are you, have you become a little more like Jesus? Are you more like Jesus? Does your light shine in the world day to day, Monday to Friday? And one of the things that strikes me about this model is actually we find ourselves at all places on the journey, don't we? So my hunch is... All of us are here today at one level with our own brokenness, our own hunger, our own desire for God, our own questions, our own doubts, our own struggles. And we need it. We want to come in and connect more deeply with God. We want to be part of the journey. We also find ourselves here. We're actually part of the solution. We're 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 in this community, and we are working together to help everybody grow, right? Even though we're also here and we're on the journey ourselves, this is... The unique, way God has organized this, but I know some of you. I also know you're here. You're being sent out a little more like Jesus, and and I've seen the deci- the courageous decisions and and journeys of faith that you've been on. The personal growth and transformation. You're a little more loving than you were when I first met you. Which, of course. It's pretty remarkable if I met you for the first time just before church started, but never underestimate the power of a good kid's song to change lives. So, you know. um, but, but God is at work, right? And we're not the same as we were. We, Margot and I have been here seven years now. We're not the same. We're growing. I look at this and I go, man, I'm on, I'm on all of those parts as well. But I also have, and you have, the privilege, if you're in this church or in another church, you you have the privilege of both being transformed by God in this process and being those who are doing the work on others. We are a community who work together. Isn't that cool? So there we go. Uh, And all of that uh, takes us to here. When we think about generosity, when we think about life, This is one of the most significant verses in all of the Bible that you can think about. Proverbs 4 says this. Above all else, guard your heart, because everything you do comes from it. So when we think about anything in life, it all starts from the inside. right? And and when it comes to money and generosity... This is really, 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 really significant because two people can give the same amount of money and for the one person giving, and it may be a very large amount of money, and for one person giving that large amount of money is actually spiritually dangerous to them. It comes with all kinds of strings attached. It's about power. It's about control. It's about building their own egos. It's about trying to build a legacy for themselves. And and the other person can give the same amount of money. And on the surface, it looks just the same. But f- it's come from a totally different heart of, of radical service and servanthood and trust in God and generosity. And so there are a few implications of this when it comes to thinking about generosity for yourself and for others. Boy, don't look on the outside. I could just... It's easy to do that. It's easy to compare yourself to others. It's easy to look at what others are doing. And that's really unhelpful. Guard your own heart. In the end, you and I have to answer to God for the state of our hearts. Uh, And you know your heart, and if you don't know your heart, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart, even today, and say, show me what's in there. I did put out the offer last week. I said one of the... It is true that one of the external indicators of the state of our heart, according to Jesus, is how generous we are, is what we do with money. So I did make... I said, if you're struggling to know the state of your heart... Uh, and you 'd like some help diagnosing it i 'm happy to meet with you and uh, with your uh, all your accounts and your tax returns for the last five years and your credit card statements and uh, your p l and your budget i 'm happy to meet with you and go through all of that with you and and help you work out what exactly that says about the state of your heart uh, i haven 't been overwhelmed with people taking me up on that offer it's it 's perplexing to me i i don 't know why. Um, in 20 years of making that point and that joke, um, it's had the same response in a variety of cultures, and I get it, because it's private and it's awkward and money and giving can provoke lots of shame or pride or guilt. And I go, yeah, it's just... just if, If you don't get anything else out of this talk and anything else out of this series, guard your heart. Do business with God at the level of your heart, and that's and and with with honesty, like just ah. Okay, so that's it. Uh, Coming out of this, the the catalyst for this was well, yeah. There's some financial challenges, but there are some principles that are incredibly significant for building hearts of generosity. Uh, There are at least nine of them. I'm sure you could come up with more. Um, Last week, we looked at uh, principle one, give your hearts to Jesus, not your money. For this Sunday and next, we're going to cover the the remaining eight uh, fairly quickly. The the Bible references, the text, all of that, and discussion questions are all up on Circle, which is our... um, our SAS online platform, uh, it's like Facebook, but private for our church. You can get it there, and if you, if, if you aren't logged in, get, you can uh, get the login. You, I can sort you out with that today. So here's the first principle, give your heart to Jesus. We looked at that last week. It's a pile of verses there. Th- principle number two, which is so significant, we are generous because God is exceedingly generous to us. Jen, when we were talking about uh, who's the most generous person, said, well, you know, my mum. Most of us don't struggle to be generous in looking after our mothers, even if they've been somewhat disappointing. And at least part of the reason is our mothers were all exceedingly generous to us. They created us. They gave us life. We grew inside of them and we wrecked their bodies. Like, all of us experienced exceeding generosity from our mothers. And and that means that most of us respond with generosity to our own mums, don't we? Even if they've been somewhat disappointing uh, and challenging. And that that is the same with God. He has been so generous to us. The difference, however, is God's generosity is not seen in quite the same visceral and visible way that our parental generosity is. But here are some verses about how generous God is to us, and uh, they're worth talking about during the week. John 3.16, you probably all know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Like that's that's a lot of, gen- that is, that is generous, right? He gave us his son, Romans 8, 32, which I love, and I find incredibly comforting and have at various times in my life. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So don't, you know, God's done the very hard thing, giving up his son for us. So he can do the easy thing like giving us what we need to feed ourselves and giving us what we need to clothe ourselves and and giving us a home in eternity, in glory, like a, a place in heaven in the new creation. That's an easy thing because the hard thing has been done in the death of his son Jesus How about 2 Corinthians 8? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus gave away everything so that there could be this extraordinary exchange. He gives up his riches spiritually, ontologically, his very life itself he gives up, so that we can gain all his riches. Like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Uh, and it, so it goes on. There's a bunch of other verses there to think about. It. Pick a verse. So go online, grab these verses, pick one of those, and put it on your fridge. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it all the time. We need to remind ourselves of that because we very quickly have a scarcity mindset that looks at all the things that God hasn't given us. Don't, don't we tend to do that? And mostly I develop that by looking at the stuff that he seems to have given other people. And I go, oh, wow, you know, gee, you gave me. You gave them this. You gave them that. You gave them the other thing. And you say, well, what about me? What about me? And we focus on all the things we think God hasn't given us. And, uh, and you just got to fight that tendency in yourself. And some of these verses are extremely helpful in that. Principle three. Peter alluded to this. God owns everything and we are his managers. God owns the whole world. It's all his. It's not ours. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Uh, We are very tempted, are we not, to think that we own what we have and we treat it as though it were ours. And I get it. I, I want it to be more mine than yours and I thank God for a justice system that gives me security of uh, title over my house and my money so you can't just come and take it. But that security make- kids me into thinking, well, at a fundamental level, it's mine. Well, no, it's God's. I mean, if you were a massive crypto investor over the last two weeks, you would have learned that uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can go from being worth 1.2 billion to $2,000 as the giant Ponzi scheme of your cryptocurrency evaporates. It can happen like that. No matter what we have, we're managers of it we just look after it for a season and that's everything that's like your health is a gift from god how are you going stewarding your health your energy how are you going stewarding your energy where do you spend your energy it's finite right you do know that little heart inside you is going to stop beating so how are you stewarding the heartbeats that you've got left your emotional availability is a gift from God. How are you stewarding that? And, and of course, your money and your possessions and your creative abilities, your business acumen, your vocational competence. All of that's a gift from God That that you've got to kind of steward and look after. It's a gift from God. And you want to do well. All the money in the world belongs to God. Uh, you and i belong to god this is what 1 corinthians 6 says you are not your own you were bought at a price Gene, this is i mean we're a thoroughly individualistic culture unlike many more traditional cultures there are many cultures in the world even today where we understand we We aren't our own. We belong to a family or a kinship group or a tribe that has claims on us. But in our culture, post the Enlightenment, we we tend to think of ourselves as fundamentally individualistic. I am me. You are you. I have my stuff. You have your stuff. We apply that to our kinship relationships, our families. And, And the Bible knows nothing of that. The Bible says, no, no, fundamentally, you're not your own. I'm not my own. What you do with your life is not just your business. It's God's business. He gave it to you. You belong to him. Um, It's God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. By the way, I love this. Again, a bunch of great verses. Deuteronomy 8.18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Uh, Now I'm looking out over you all, and I'm thinking to myself, there are many of you that I look at who have the ability to produce wealth. And sometimes in the church, you can be made to feel guilty about that. Oh, getting rich, making money, that's a bad thing. We should all, that's there's some, something ugh, about money, and we should all pretend it's not important. On the other hand, um, there's an alternate view that says getting rich is really the essence of the Christian life. God wants you to be rich and healthy, and that's a sign of God's blessing. Uh, both are wrong. This is right. If you have the ability to create wealth, that is a good thing. It's a gift from God. Don't ever forget it, and it's to be used well. That's why I love uh, the example of someone like a David Basso, who God, everything he does seems to work. Um, I, you know, I don't know why. Certainly, financially, that worked for him. Even when he was in an orphanage, he, he was working in a workshop doing woodwork, and uh, and it, he he lost two fingers, right? So, so, so he's still short of a couple of fingers, but you know, even that he got a payout from that that he used to buy his first fish and chip shop. You go, Man, that's amazing. And then he leveraged, built that up, and sold that, and bought others, and sold little businesses, and and then then it's been his life. serving. you just go, I love that. It's The ability to create wealth is not bad, but it's what you do with it. And it's a gift from God. Okay, uh, our job is to manage his resources. We are managers, not owners. Hmm. I just imagine one day you're going to stand in front of Jesus... And it's not going to be me who is looking through your bank statements and your super fund and your credit card spending and your diary. It's going to be Jesus. And he's going to go, hey, buddy, mate, I gave you all of this. What sort of return did you get on it? Oh Jesus! I I was really worried, so I I didn't I didn't do much with it. I just spent a bunch of time getting a bigger house for myself because I was worried about my retirement, and I wanted to leave something for the kids. Oh, geez! What's he gonna say? Now, I mean, like I don't want you to. F- I mean, I I don't want to let you off the hook. Because that's a terribly confronting thought, and it can provoke lots of, I think, fear. And I think that's right, but it's also limited. I think because <laughs> it's complicated, right? Like, how much is enough? What's a good return? How much do you really need? Is it OK to look after you, provide for your kids? Yeah, sure. What, what sort of return on investment is Jesus really after? Those are really good questions, and I don't have an answer easily for you, um, but I think sometimes in our culture we, and maybe I'll just speak to myself, I need a little more sense of accountability before God of what I do with his resources and a little less of the freedom to do whatever I like because I, th- I think accountability is a long way off. I think I need a bit more of that for me. You may not. You may live acutely aware of that moment by moment and 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 that question of what return, what return on investments, on God's money, will you, and God's energy and life in you, maybe you live with that moment by moment and it's deeply sobering for you, and and if that's the case, this bit of the talk is not for you. Uh, move on. Uh, principle four, don't withhold from the God who gives everything. Um, uh, don't withhold, like I just, the principle of generosity works like this when you see a need when you encounter a need in the world what is your fundamental orientation what's the first thing that goes through your heart and your mind when you encounter a need in the world is it gee i'm glad i'm not them what an idiot how did they get themselves into that situation and i hope the government has a program to help them i mean or is it, huh, how can I help? What can I do? Now, you can do that in a codependent, destructive way, for sure, and we could talk more about that. But that we know people like that, don't we, who at, a, at the core of their being, when you encounter need in someone else, your, your heart, the stance of your heart is to say, what can I do? How can I help? That's it. Now sometimes that'll involve money, sometimes that won't, sometimes that'll involve time, sometimes that'll involve energy, connections, bit of love, bit of food, I don't know, but don't withhold, there's a, and there's all sorts of reasons to withhold, and sometimes giving money away is really stupid. Um, I've given money away to people who've walked into the office, uh, there's a lady who walked in, and I, I went and... I went and bought her her methadone for the month. Like, was that a good use of my money? Has it helped her? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I've done really dumb stu- I, I, I think that in that instance, that was good. There are other times I've given money away that were really pretty dumb and just made the situation worse, thinking of my brother. <laughs> It's often family. (laughs) Um, I would say, though, there are far more instances where I've withheld generosity because I'm greedy and selfish. My greatest problem is not that I'm too generous. My greatest temptation is that I'm actually too hard-hearted and stingy. Like That is my biggest problem, I think. Um, now you need to be wise with your generosity. But, but giving, so there's a bunch of things. Um, giving's a privilege. We get to give. I mean, imagine having so much money that you can give some away. That's a, that's a, imagine having so much leisure time that you can choose to spend it with an annoying, difficult person. <laughs> <laughs> eh, imagine having a spare room in your house so that you can choose to let someone occupy it. Imagine having a second house. So you can rent it to someone and negative gear it and exploit the tax system to get even more money. I mean, so that you can make it, you know, imagine that, hey? Imagine having a holiday house that you can make available to people in the church. I mean, that you can, you know, you know what I mean? Like, what a privilege that we can give. Um, it's an area of freedom. Don't hear, I, I'm trying hard to avoid any prescriptions. You won't really hear me talk about mon- like percentages and time and Alec like it's part of the problem with all of this biblically is we're free. Like God is not going to smite you if you're not generous. You're free to be as generous or as stingy as you like and to give as much or as little as you like. and it, and it really will vary. It'll vary in the season of your life. You're free to be as generous with your time. Got to, and there's many competing demands. And it comes from grace. We don't give to get God to bless us. We give because we've been blessed. Happy giving makes God happy. God loves a cheerful giver. If your generosity is not coming from a place of happiness and joy, it's, not, it needs, it's coming out of a place of guilt, not grace and freedom. So there needs to be a joyfulness in how we give our lives away. But it does involve sacrifice. And principle five, as I hear the kids coming in, Oliver, take them back. Live in the light of eternity. This life is short. Our citizenship's in heaven. 1 Timothy 6 says this, Command those who are rich in this present world to do good, to be rich in good deeds, which I love, being rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Uh, One of the big challenges of generosity is it shows whether we really believe there's a life to come. If you don't believe there's a life to come, you will give away as little as you can, to keep up the appearance of being good and religious as a sort of end, kind of sort of hedging your bets. And I get that. It's hard to believe there's a life to come. Our day, The data of our world doesn't support it. But if you really believe this world is a preparation for eternity, then you start to be able to be generous. You can be generous with your time because this time is not all there is. You've got like a billion years to enjoy yourself. So you can come, you know set up chairs on a Sunday morning because you've got a billion years to go, right? I, that's how it starts to work its way out. So these are always spiritual questions for us before they are money or time allocation questions. So that's uh, principle five, live in the light of eternity. It goes, it goes ve- this life goes very quickly. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, but eternity goes for a very long time, uh, so let's invest our lives and our money and our energy in the light of eternity, um, and, uh, and let's figure out what that looks like. It's going to look different for each of us, uh, but that's the plan. So uh, I'm done. We're going to sing again, and, uh, oh, and I I should say this because if you if you feel like you want to give, the best way to give is online, direct debit, you can go to the website, our bank account details are there. A word about the tax deductibility, just to confirm that, it, it is mostly likely, We our legal advice is that within the next month or two, we should get our uh, school building fund approved, and at that point, everything uh, will be tax deductible that you give to the church. Um, so you can think about that if you need a tax if you want to give a very large donation this tax year and it needs to be this tax year because you've got a bonus or whatever and you you need to adjust your planning come and talk to me and um, and we can help you with that even uh, even if the final ruling hasn't come because the tax the fund was approved in April so there is a way to make it all work. Uh, so that's coming up. Okay, I'm going to pray. Uh, Lord God, I pray for us um, that we'll be generous as you are generous. Uh, I pray that you'll work in our hearts, set us free from the love of money, uh, make us people who from the inside out uh, serve others uh, and do that joyfully and gladly and freely and graciously. And uh, thank you for the example of the generous people in our lives. Uh, amen.